Hello and welcome to Landscape Photography World, a podcast for everyone passionate about landscape photography. I'm Grant Swinburne, I'll be your host on the show, talking to landscape photographers about their motivations, likes and dislikes. Before we start, I just wanted to mention that my 2024 calendar is now available for pre-order on my website. All pre-orders will be hand-signed by me and the first 50 orders will be at a discounted price. Head to grantswinburnphotography.com to check it out. Leah Tail is a Melbourne-based lifestyle and family photographer with an amazing landscape portfolio. In this episode, you'll hear about how she got into photography and how she's created and run her business. We'll also hear about her amazing trip back to her homeland of Ethiopia and the incredible scenes she was able to capture there. I hope you enjoy the show. G'day, Leah. Welcome to Landscape Photography World. How are you going? Good. How are you? Thanks for taking the time to talk to me today. It's uh, really nice to finally meet you. As as you said before we started recording, uh, we've been chatting on and off for uh, quite some time. It's probably a couple of years now, Nelly. Uh, yeah. I think since the end of 2021, I think. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, yeah. Oh, God. <laughs> so why don't you start with who you are and why you got into landscape photography and then we can go from there. Yeah. First of all, thank you for inviting me to be on your podcast. It's just lovely because I've been listening to all the others that you've had and it's so interesting to hear people's journeys. My journey, I'm Liat, as you said, and I'm from Ethiopia originally, but I've lived in Australia for over 15 years now. Wow. <laughs> it's crazy, time flies. So I'm an Aussie, really. Um, and my earlier career was in IT. And I, I was never meant to be a photographer, but somewhere in between photography found me and I was like just smitten and yeah, I, 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 it was the, my surroundings mostly, nature and just the streets, urban scenes and things that got me photography. And yeah, that's how I got into photography, really. Fantastic. So when did it really start? Was it while you were still in Ethiopia or after you'd come to Australia? It, it was after I came to Australia. Uh, I was actually working in Canberra where my husband and I were living and I was working as an IT contractor. It hadn't even occurred to me <laughs> that I would go into photography because my main thing was I love to be creative. And music was always my interest. So I always thought if I do leave my IT job, I'm going to go into music. It right. was never photography. But at some point after we moved to Melbourne, I, I started having those urges of wanting to change my career and go into something else. I did a short course on music production, yeah. studio production, and that kind of opened my eyes to different things. But then... I, I got pregnant, so then I, I said, all right, you know what, let me just focus on growing my family. And in between that is when I started to pick up my mobile phone. It was, it was my iPhone 3G that I was using to capture. I'd be walking out just around the neighborhood and I, I'd see something and just start taking photos. And at that time, it was about 2010. Instagram had started and people were posting their pictures and I, I was like, oh, I could post my photos. <laughs> They're just iPhone photos, but I just thought, let me just share my photos. And people started commenting and saying, oh, you've got a good eye. And I was like, oh, I do. <laughs> and just the colors of nature were so in inspiring to me. So I started taking it more seriously. I, I had this compact camera, so I started taking long exposure with that I don't I think it was a Lumix or something but a really basic one so I started taking long exposure experimenting and out Google like how do you get that milky effect on water and then I'd try it out and I'd get excited with the results yeah I, I, that's how it grew from something small as an iPhone photo to just experimenting and then getting into DSLR and learning the ins and outs of my Nikon camera and yeah I'm a Nikon girl by the way that's fine I don't talk to you here <laughs> ah really <laughs> for some reason I don't believe you <laughs> 
only if it comes up. Only if it comes up. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, I, I, I enjoyed taking pictures with my um, DSLR and I, I got into looking at different lenses and just learning everything around photography and what you can achieve. So when did it start to become more artistic expression than just recording what you're seeing? A lot of people obviously start either a, a, a point and app or a... Yeah a phone camera and then they they're recording what they're seeing and they're taking photos with what they've got and then they start to go ah oh, this is actually art not just a recording of what i'm seeing when did that start to happen for you i think it was early on even if i was taking photos with my mobile i, I would still edit them in apps like snapseed I wanted to make it my own. I, I didn't just post it as it was. So in terms of artistic feel, I always made it my own. But then it got a little bit more technical and serious when I got my DSLR because I would use Lightroom, Adobe Lightroom, to edit my photos and just adjusting things like tones and things like that that I never did in Snapseed that much became the main thing. If I had an idea of how I wanted the colors to be, I knew how to get that result. Yeah. So around, I'd say 2013, 14, I started really delving into the different things I can adjust with my images. And it got me so excited. I'd always be like to my husband, I'd be like, come over, look at this is before and this is after. And it'd just be like, whoa. <laughs> Even for him, he has an eye for photography, but he never pursued it. Yeah. So when I, when I show him my images, he's actually impressed. So I was like, yes. <laughs> <laughs> so what is photography you now in in your life is it a hobby is it something you're wanting to take full-time have you started going full-time and, and started to make money out of it yeah I've, I've actually been in my own business for a while now i i started my business in 2017 mm -hmm. and it basically began like talking to people around my community and people were saying to me why don't you do family photography just to start it because i have two kids and I can't really do travel for them. My, my dream would be to do travel photography where yeah. I get to go to different places, like everyone, right? <laughs> and since I can't do that, I brought it home in that I would take photos of my kids and I knew how to capture kids and when they're playing and just candid style, lifestyle photography. So I began my business, just marketing that kind of portraiture work to people around my neighborhood and also on Google. I had my website up and yeah, it, it was built from scratch and I gained a lot of clientele in Melbourne and that's how I, I got some income from my photography. As for my landscape and nature photography, that was pure passion. I've never made money out of it until NFTs. Yeah. Most of the income that came in was through family photography, weddings, and just events in, in Melbourne. Cool. So with your personal stuff, your landscapes and nature photography, what is it that motivated you to get into that? And what is it that keeps you motivated around getting out into the landscape and taking shots? Yeah, I think it's my love of nature. It's just my surroundings and the ocean. I love water. <laughs> and ever since I was a kid, I loved water. Just being able to capture movement in water and just make it my own in some way. To, to just, I'm documenting these landforms like the 12 Apostles, my favorite spot in yeah. Australia. I've got a few shots of that at different occasions and each time I've captured it in different light, I just find that it's fulfilling to see the results. Yeah. And yeah, that's my motivation. I, I, I like to capture nature how it is now because I know it will change in the future. 
especially okay. the rock stacks. Some of them are falling and getting chipped off every time the waves are eroding them. So in, in that way, I feel like I'm keeping something that could change in the future in my photos. Yeah, yeah. fantastic, fantastic. In terms of setting goals, is that something you do with your photography or are you more free-flowing? I'd say <laughs> with landscape and nature, I, it normally happens when we go on holiday as a family. If someone was looking from out, <laughs> just looking in at what, what I'm doing, it would be kids by my feet playing with sand and I'm there trying to <laughs> focus <laughs> and get the shot. It's never been me by myself going out because it's just not possible uh, as I'm a mother with two young kids it's tricky to to just go out to a further area to get these photos on holidays is when i pack my gear up like when we're going on holiday to torquay or somewhere to the coast i always have all my gear packed up and <laughs> ready to roll and i have an idea of what kind of shots i want to get like recently we went to cape shank coast and I know that there's a lighthouse there and I really wanted to get that lighthouse and the coast during sunset. I planned that. I, t I told my husband, let's make it at sunset because I want to capture this area during sunset. And so we planned around it. We told the kids, we're going to the lighthouse at this time. Just bring your toys if you want to and you can play while <laughs> I do my thing. And yeah, I, I managed to capture some amazing shots and I was really satisfied with what I got. And I got back home and I sat down to edit it and it was just so fulfilling to just have the whole process come together. Um, yeah, that in, in some ways I plan it, but not so tightly. It can be flexible, yeah. Yeah, cool, cool. How do you go about or how did you go about I should say getting to the point where you started to develop your own style and how would you describe that style and how do you see it developing in the future? I think I'm still in the middle of finding like a specific style because I enjoy sunset photography so I could say that dark silhouette look is my style but then i have other photos that are bright and full of color and just just a little bit more vibrant yeah. uh, so in, in terms of finding my style i'm still on that progression i think I, I don't think i'm there where i can stick to one and i i don't like that to be honest i yeah. i like being free to explore even if i become this famous photographer I don't want to be stuck in one box. Yeah, if you know yeah. what I mean, yeah. So you're, uh, you're not about curating a particular look and sticking to that. Yeah, because I want to, to attract people of all kinds. I don't want just yeah. one type of collector. I, I'd like to have many types of collectors. How do you stay motivated to experiment and try out new ideas and look at look at things differently? Yeah, I actually look at different, e even watching movies, it gives me ideas of trying something different in, in the color, in the tone, or in texture. I, I like to get inspiration from different things. Cinematic looks in movies, I'm like, oh! That's a nice tone. I could try it with my one of my shots, and then I'll sit down and experiment. And I've also started. Has been my main editing tool for a long time, but I also once in a while head over to Photoshop to to try different things. And yeah, in that way, I'm motivated by what I see outside, and also what I want to try for, for myself. Yeah. Oh, can I actually achieve something different? Excellent. And so I'll go into Photoshop and try different things, but yeah, that's how I do it. What, you, you mentioned you're obviously doing a lot of your shooting. How, how does that make you feel? Do you feel like you've got 
time to do what you want to do and or, or is there always pressure to go okay I'm gonna have to wrap this up now and, and move on and look after the kids yeah as a mother I don't know if you, you you're a father right I am yeah but they're a little bit old they're old enough to look after themselves now okay so I'm not there yet but I hope to be <laughs> Uh, it take, takes a while, but they eventually get it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, at this stage in my life, I've accepted that I get what I can, when I can. Yeah, in the future, I'd like to be able to have the time to just really immerse myself in my landscape photography, especially once they're independent, yeah. the kids are independent. Then I don't have to worry about, oh, I need to go back home. Because even as a lifestyle photographer or family photographer, when I go out to the jobs, I'm always thinking I need to go back yeah. to yeah. take over from my husband because he also has his main job. Yeah. It's, yeah, there's always something. There's always the limitations. Whatever one does, I think it's, it's yeah. very hard to get to that nirvana of where you don't have to think about anyone else and... You, you that's true. Yeah. Whatever yeah. time you like on whatever it is that you want to do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's why, like, when we go on holiday, that's my time. I'm, I'm always conscious of. I do want to get some shots. That's my goal. I have a goal. I want to get these shots. But other than that, we can do what you guys want to do. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 It's all about getting that balance and working out how to how to spend the time with the family as well as on your photography. Exactly, exactly. In terms of what you would consider success, what is success to you in your photography? That's an interesting question <laughs> and a really tricky one. To, but I, I think monetary would be amazing. Okay. Being able to survive as an artist on my art, that would be the ultimate dream. But in other ways, success is also recognition. In the NFT space, so many opportunities have come my way just because I've put myself forward. Yeah. And yeah. such as like the exhibitions that happen. I've been in numerous exhibitions in different countries and I'm like, what? How yeah. did this happen? And also just to be able to speak my truth to other people, like mm -hmm. the NFT fest, you you know that yeah. I I was asked to speak as an artist on the panel and then another one was women in blockchain. That was also another interesting experience, hearing other women's experience in the in this web three world. So it's been that's success to me, putting myself out there and then seeing all these opportunities come and the recognition that comes with it is success to me. Yeah. It doesn't have to be numbers sometimes it's just just the in a way it's the value you give and then you get back something yep, um, yep. it's not monetary but it's wonderful yeah fantastic do you see that your cultural background has influenced how you shoot or what things that you shoot yeah, one of them, I'm not sure if you remember, I had a street celebration series from Ethiopia. Yeah. And yeah. that was, I think, the, the most unique opportunity I've had since starting photography because I just <laughs> happened to have my camera at, on that trip, which I'm so glad I, I took it with me because it was a quick decision on the morning of this special celebration that happens every year. My mom was like, let's go down to the street and see the, the celebration. And I grabbed my camera because I didn't know what to expect. I, I, I knew the type of celebrations that happened, but I've, I'd never captured anything like that. Yeah. So I thought this, this would make a great documentary type street photography series. And yeah, that was an amazing experience because growing up, I had taken part in these celebrations, but never observed it as an outsider because I'm in it. I'm not really thinking. What does this look like from the outside? Yeah, yeah. That yeah. was just life. Yeah. Um, but with my camera, I got to be an outsider in a way, and I was observing it and just capturing the joy in people's faces and 
just the every little thing that was happening. I was just so excited. I shot so many shots, but I, I chose a few for the series that I minted on Tezos. Yeah. And it was the reception of that was amazing. The Tezos Foundation picked up three. It was yep. curated by Misan Harriman. Mm-hmm. And now it's in the permanent collection, which is just, what? <laughs> Incredible. And soon they're going to start exhibiting the permanent collection. So I'm hoping at least one of those shots will make it into the, the exhibition. They, they might do it like a traveling exhibition, which would be just incredible. Yeah, definitely. definitely. In terms of turning pro, what led you down that path to make that decision? And what was it like making that decision coming from IT, particularly as a consultant, you can earn some quite good money there and photography, not so much. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) that's something uh, my parents were like, are you sure? <laughs> you know, Are you mad? <laughs> they invested so much money, like just for their kids to study in university and yep, get yep. degrees and things. I had to really just sit down and explain to them, I feel alive when I'm doing photography. When I'm sitting nine to five at a computer, I don't know. Twins. I still sit at a computer, but it's not the same. Yeah, I know. I know what you mean. I yeah. I, I had an IT career before photography. Oh, did you? Yeah. Wow, I did not know that. <laughs> High five. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, like my heart wasn't into it doing IT, and now like when I sit at a computer, it's a different experience because my heart is in it, my eyes, everything, my brain, everything is working. So definitely a big change. And when I went pro in 2017, it was one of those things I'd been doing as a passion project many years. And my husband and I sat down and he said, if you want to make this a career, maybe you should make it into a business and that's when i really started thinking about it and yeah the first step was register my name as a business that was i remember that day because it was like oh i'm now doing this you know? it's real. yeah <laughs> yeah it's real so that was the first step and it, it felt amazing and since then it, it's been up and down but i'd say as a person i've grown so much because I've gotten to meet so many people just by doing jobs all over the place. And um, it's been just a a well-rounded experience that, yeah, I can't, I I don't regret it. Yeah. Yeah. How do you cope with the demands of running the business side as opposed to the more creative side? Because, yeah, everyone thinks a photographer just turns up, takes the photos, goes back and... Prints them or produces the digital copies and job done. That's it. (laughs) (laughs) You're you're a marketer, you're an accountant, you're you're everything. So how do you, how do you balance that and the creative side, but also the, uh, the the child minding and the the administration side? Yes. Um, I think, um when i sit down to look at the numbers and organize myself try to be professional about the admin side as well it's interesting to have youtube because it gives you ideas how do i manage these kind of things and it'll give you an idea like you can create this kind of spreadsheet and do these things so it's been good to have that but at the same time with timing i guess there are days when I'm not outside shooting. So I just sit down and I'm like, all right, let me do my, let me write some blogs. Cause I know that brings in different people, different Mm -hmm. audiences. I'll plan it out. I'll say, okay, I'm going to do a a blog today and try to churn it out (laughs) as soon as I can. But if I can't, then I can put it on hold and do the other things. But yeah, it's, I wouldn't say I'm a, 100% 100% planner yeah. as you know, create creative people I think we can't like fully plan something it's always oh, I'll do this and then maybe I'll do that later 
<laughs> so I, I, I think I carry myself with a more flexible mind because if you plan everything to the T, then you're bound to be disappointed, right? So yeah. I go, all right, let me do this. And if I can't manage to finish that, then I'll do something else. Yeah, with balance, I'd say mm, 30, 70. So 30% being admin. Okay. <laughs> 70% probably shooting and editing and the fun yeah. creative side. Yeah, excellent. About the, the marketing side, the admin side of marketing and whatever, what's the most important thing for you in marketing your personal brand? That has changed since NFTs, mm -hmm. I'd say. Initially, when I was doing family photography only, it used to be just a matter of either word of mouth yep. you know, to people in the community through my website or Instagram. I, I used to get business through Instagram. Now it's just dried up. I don't know what's going on, but yeah, yeah. Um, I used to get messages on Instagram because I'd post some of my pictures that I've taken and then someone would say, oh, are you available for an event? And then that's how it's just a very casual way of marketing. Yeah, uh, I used to love that about Instagram. Nowadays, <laughs> not so much. I feel like Instagram is, I don't know, love. Yeah, it's, a, it's a strange place now. It's not what it used to be. Yeah. So with NFTs, it's, it's very different. Twitter or X, as it's known now, it, it's just involved. You always have to be on it for the algorithm to pick you up and this and that. But what has helped in marketing within Twitter is the people like you. You yeah. were one of the first people that actually opened up a door for me. And oh. I'm so grateful to you. Seriously. I remember you, you did the Aussie gallery. Yeah, the, yeah, the Australian gallery with the bad. Yeah. I think we ended up with almost 75 artists displaying yeah. their work in a, in a virtual uh, gallery. Exactly. And that was at the end of 2021. I just started NFTs then and I didn't know many people. I think I had 150 followers, yeah. <laughs> like virtually unknown to anyone. And when I met you and your group, I was like, oh my gosh, I need to get in this group. This is where I need to be. And then you opened up the door and I met all the other artists, amazing people. Vicky, oh yep. man, Vicky is amazing. And yeah, I think the people within Twitter are the ones that just encouraged me, motivated me to do better and to try harder. Yeah. And especially when the market was going lower and, and just down. If it wasn't for the people, I wouldn't be sticking around, really. I know what you mean. Yeah, yeah because you can't do much without support of other people. No, I, definitely, in not. Space. definitely not. Definitely yeah, not. it's a collaborative effort and finding the Tezos community has been another level. It's just incredible. Everyone is very tightly knit and mm. we help each other out and being able to collect other people's work within the Tezos um, community has been just incredible. Yeah. Uh, and getting to know people like Misan Harriman. What? Are you kidding me? He's, he just directed a movie and I'm like, whoa, this guy, what can he not do? But yeah, it's uh, the marketing side of Twitter is more about the people you get to meet every day and communicate okay. with and share. And yeah. In terms of your commercial work or your more commercial work, how do you maintain your creative vision? an artistic integrity with that, but also catering to the client demands. Yeah, I think my artistic vision with the commercial side is more the type of photography I do with the lifestyle side. Yeah. Uh, I, I tell my clients, I'm not going to tell you to look at me and smile at me. That's not the type of photography I do. I want you to connect with your family, look at your family, and then I'll just capture those moments, those special yeah. moments that are created when they're smiling or tickling each other or just the candid, really special moments. So that's my artistic vision for the family photography that I do. 
Whereas the event photography is just documenting what's happening. So that's very easy. Like event photography is easy and fun depending on the event. Like uh, yeah, I, yeah. I was asked to um, capture some capoeira, capoeira dancing? Jiu-jitsu or whatever they call it. Yeah, yeah. It's so amazing. Oh my gosh. I love dance. Uh, as I, Like I'm always dancing, even in the kitchen when I'm cooking. I'm always dancing. <laughs> For me to be able to get paid to capture capoeira is just, wow, that's a dream in its own. And that's success. That goes back to success as well. The, the what do you call it? Like the satisfaction you get yep. from yep. doing a job and you're also enjoying it. Like you're getting paid to enjoy an event. That's Absolutely. amazing. Yeah. That could be better. <laughs> yeah. So in terms of artistic vision, when I do documentary photography, I just capture because I know what's about to happen in some cases. So like weddings are obvious. They're yeah. about to kiss. So you got to be ready for it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and things like events with the dancing. If someone is about to do a, a flip, I'm ready for it. I have my settings correctly set and I capture the right moment. If I wanted to show motion, I slow down my shadow. Like all these little things. Yeah. Yeah. Artistic vision is always there in different ways, depending on what job I'm doing. Absolutely. One of the things everyone struggles with is pricing their work, whether it's NFTs or prints or their commercial work. Do you have a formula you use or do you just look at the market and go with that. How do you price your work? So with my commercial work, doing family photography, I've gone through different prices from the start. I started at $200 per hour. And I I found that to be (laughs) a disservice to myself because the amount of work I do when I sit down at the computer and the hours spent just getting everything together, I was like, this is not worth $200. So I had to learn by doing. And so I slowly started increasing my prices. And of course, people will pay if they see your work and yeah. they like if what you're they you're delivering see. quality. Yeah, they will pay what you say you're charging. It's. I heard this funny experiment that Payless Shoes did. I don't know if you yeah. heard about it. And I was like, oh my gosh. So they sold their shoes for higher price just because they put it in a fancy store and yep. told people these are $600. And I find that so interesting. People will pay. If you value yourself, they will pay that. If you value higher, they'll pay that. But if you say, oh, this is worth $50, then they're like, oh, bargain. Yeah, I'll take that. <laughs> yeah, I'll take it. But it it depends how desperate you are. You know, if if you need the money to survive, I understand. Charge lower to get a quicker return. But yeah, for me, it's been a learning experience. Slowly as I go, I value myself even more because I know how much work I put into it. With NFTs, it's interesting. I think at the start, I came in looking at Yatreda. Yatreda? Yep. The Ethiopian collective that did the, like the, these amazing black and white images and videos and things. And they were selling for like high amounts of ETH. Yep. And I was like, wow, you can actually earn this much for that kind of work. Interesting. <laughs> my mindset was, I'm going to share my work and I'll make millions of ETH. <laughs> <laughs> but of course that that's not true it you need happen <laughs> yeah and you need people to know you if no mm. one knows you then nothing is gonna happen so that was a learning experience coming into the nft space i i remember i i think i i went with 0.2 ETH on yep. my first piece and it's still there <laughs> still sitting there and I feel like at some point when people see the amount of time I've been in the space and all the different things I've done maybe then it will pick up but at the moment some people have picked up 
a few pieces at 0.2, but it, it hasn't kicked off to the point where I'm like, that's it, I'm just gonna lay back and <laughs> let it do its thing. So yeah, pricing is tricky. And then there's additions, which have been, I think, a lifesaver in this market. Yeah. Because for most of us who don't have that collector base, it's been helpful just to have uh, a way to get collectors of all kinds. Uh, for In the Tezos chain, that's one thing that's been amazing because the gas fees are like virtually nothing, they're like cents. And it's easy for people to collect, especially if we put out bigger editions, then it's been easy to market it as a lower priced edition and more people can pick it up. And that way you're also growing your communities. And that way it's been helpful on Ethereum, a little bit different. <laughs> There's been a few editions that I've sold, which I'm really grateful for. My collectors have been just supportive and I'm really happy about that. But with the pricing, I, I don't think I still have it correct with Ethereum. It's going to be a playing of up and down. <laughs> We'll see. When the market picks up again, maybe things will change. Who knows? Hey, you never know. You never know. How do you find it? I've bailed out of promoting my stuff for probably the last year or so. It's just I, I'm not seeing any kind of return on the investment of time and effort. So it's for, for me, it was if I'm not if I'm not able to make anything out of it, I'm not going to put a great deal of effort into it so i literally haven't done anything i don't think my wallet has been opened actually in the last six but months. your work is still there yeah the work's still there uh, I, I, think anything. I haven't, haven't removed anything it's there if somebody finds it great yeah 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 i think in I'm some way about it <laughs> yeah in, in if you're not desperate for it then yeah That's you know, it. have yeah. it there <laughs> Exactly, exactly. Someone will find it. And if someone finds it, then fine. But otherwise, yeah. I'm not worried. And, and the fact that you're doing something other than will make people look into your work. Oh, who, who's this guy? Like, what is he doing? Is he in NFTs? And then boom. I get lots of people asking me if I'm in, in NFTs, but they're, they're all scammers. So. Oh, no. Oh, the scams. The scams. Uh, there's so many different, you know, the other day I saw someone who almost, I think it was David. Did you see? Yeah. Yeah. He, he received some weird link with his work as the thumbnail and it looks click here. I've just put in an offer. And if you're someone who doesn't look at the link, that's it. You yep. click on that and you're gone. <laughs> so I was yeah. like, oh, these scams are getting better and better. Yeah. Now, I, I put up a video on the YouTube channel probably four months ago, five months ago nearly, and uh, whenever they ask me, is my work available as an NFT, I send them a link to that, that video and said, watch this before we talk. And basically, nice. it describes exactly the scam that they're trying to, to, to play. So Nicely played. <laughs> Funnily enough, I never hear from any of them again. Of course not. Cut out people. Like, I get messages on Instagram saying, would you like to sell these as an yeah, NFT? Instagram, uh, Facebook. Hello. I haven't, yeah, haven't seen any yet on Vero, luckily, but I, I know that there's people on Vero that have, have seen that sort of thing as well. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, we just have to stay vigilant and always look yeah. what you click Stop. on. Don't give anyone, uh, yeah, don't click on links that you haven't asked for and don't don't accept DMs from people you don't know asking for NFTs as far as I'm concerned. Exactly. Don't trust. I could, I could be missing out on millions of dollars of, uh, <laughs> of profit, but I don't think I am. Yeah. <laughs> Where you live, obviously in Melbourne, there's quite a few places around there. You mentioned the Great Ocean Road. Is there any places that keep calling you back that you... Sorry, there's construction. Yeah, wow. <laughs> that was a loud bang. Any place in Melbourne, you mean? Or no, any place that you repeatedly go to because it keeps calling you back. 
Oh yeah, that's definitely the Twelve Apostles. Yeah. Uh, I've been there about three, four times now. But now it's also starting to be the Cape Shank coast, which yeah. I always enjoy. The Mornington Peninsula, yeah. Uh, the coast is just beautiful. Australia is amazing. The, the thing is, when I was growing up in Ethiopia, since we're landlocked, yeah. you didn't have that. You don't have the coast, yeah. No, we didn't have the ocean. So our closest thing was going to the lake. We have these big lakes. So yep. that was our thing. Let's go to the lake. And that's all you got. But when I came to Australia and I saw the 12 apostles and Torquay and it was just like mind blowing. Perth, Western Australia has amazing beaches. Cotesloe Beach is one of my favorites. And Hunger yeah, yeah. River, just so many. I'm really blessed to be in Australia, seriously. It's like one of those Maybe I dreamt it and it happened, I don't know. <laughs> when I met my husband in America, I didn't yep. even know that we would get married and then I'd have to move to Australia. None of this was a planned thing, it's just life. Life happened and yeah, I found myself near the coast of Australia, which is amazing. Fantastic. Do you think where you live influences how you shoot? It obviously influences what you shoot because you go to the places that are close and familiar. Every every photographer does that. But yeah. do you think it's influenced how you shoot in any way? How I shoot? I don't... I, I'm thinking about if I lived in Ethiopia, would I change how I shoot? Not really. Because I do walk around sometimes with my camera in the streets and I yep. feel like... I'm documenting what I see and how I shoot, I don't think would change. If I was in Ethiopia, would I walk out on the streets with my camera? Yes. So mm -hmm. it's, it would be the same, I think. The only thing would be the crowd. It depends how many people are on the... I, I, yeah, I yeah. can't really, yeah. It's hard okay. to answer that one. Okay. <laughs> got, got to ask. Yeah. What's your most memorable experience with photography? Memorable would be the one I told you earlier about the wow. street celebration. That yeah. that was amazing. But also 12 Apostles, anytime I'm there, especially during sunset, it's just mind-blowing. Like that spot, I, I told my husband, when I die, <laughs> take some of my ashes and just spray it in there <laughs> because <laughs> I want to enjoy that even after death. So, yeah. Yeah, fantastic. <laughs> I was gonna, I was, I've got another question about that. Where would you retire? Would you retire on the, the Great Ocean Road? Oh, that would be amazing. I, I don't know. I don't know. Because my family is just everywhere. Like I yeah, have yeah. brothers in Europe and my parents are in Ethiopia. Most of my family is in Ethiopia. I don't know. I. It's a hard one. I would prefer to be retired in different places so that I can go back and forth if I can afford it with my uh, partner. But yeah, it's most likely to be Australia, between Australia and Ethiopia. Yeah, sure. sure. Yeah. What do you think you've learned about the world through photography? Oh, wow the beauty of the world. When I was just looking at the world with my eyes without any observation glasses on or the camera in front of me, I, I don't think I really looked at the world as much as I do now. I think photography has definitely opened up a different lens to my eyes. I don't know if that makes sense. Yeah. Uh, even a, a simple thing like looking at the sky I love the formation of clouds. Sometimes they look like they're milky and smooth. And these are things I never used to look at as a young person, just walking around clueless. And <laughs> but yeah, I think photography has definitely made me look at the world in more detail, the textures, the colors, just everything. Nature-wise, yes, definitely. Yeah, it's improved my eyes. Yeah, I've heard it that opened up a new lens sort of thing talked about as learning to see 
light. So yes, with light, but it's learning to read light and see how it changes the landscape, shadows and highlights and all those sorts of things. That, that learning to actually see light going, oh yeah, that's a nice sunset. And, yeah, how the light refracts, like yeah. things you never really look at unless you're a photographer or someone who works with light. Yeah, that, that makes a lot of sense, yeah. I want to talk a little bit about the process that you go through. Are you the sort that uh, races home from the Great Ocean Road and uh, loads up the computer and gets into editing straight away, or do you let things ferment for a little bit? It depends. <laughs> <laughs> it depends on the situation with the kids. If yeah. they're happy watching TV or something right after we get back, then yeah. I can load up my pictures and look at what I captured. Like if there's something that catches me quickly, then I start editing it. But usually what happens when we get back is someone is hungry. Someone mm -hmm. wants to do something. Yeah. <laughs> so, so I do load up, I, I load my stuff onto Lightroom, but while that's happening, I'm in the kitchen or doing something else. But yeah, it's nice to, to be able to sit for a longer period when they're not asking for attention yep. and just immerse myself into the the scenes that I captured and just work through the editing process and without any interruption. So that I, I'd say it depends on the situation. <laughs> <laughs> so in terms of the editing, you spending minutes, hours, days on an image? Some images, you see them, and in the moment, you think you're going to edit it in some way. Yep. And then you come back to it after a few hours. Oh, I want to try something else, and you change it. <laughs> so th those images take a few days to finalize. But then there are some that are like straightforward. If I'm doing family photography editing, then it's straightforward. You're to do back processing a lot. Yeah, yeah, I have my presets that I set up beforehand and I just go, let me try this preset for that time of day because I have them by like morning, afternoon, all the different lights. So I can just see how it looks in a preset. And it, it's just a quicker way to churn out the, the images because they're like 100, 200 plus photos sometimes. Yeah. So instead of spending one uh, on one image many hours and just, yeah, batch process. But with landscape, I love sometimes even if I know I have a preset for some light, I want to see if my editing process has changed. So I'll start from scratch on some of them just to see if I can do something different with it. And I find it fun. If I have the time to play with it, I will play. Like sometimes my husband's like, how long have you been sitting there? <laughs> I'm like, oh my gosh, did five hours go by? <laughs> well, I know that feeling. Mm, yeah. How do you push past creative blocks and overcome challenges that you face in your landscape photography? And how do you stay inspired and engaged? Yeah, good question. Creative blocks. I think I like to step away sometimes. Because it helps when you're not getting what you want. For me, when I'm not getting what I want, I go and listen to music or create something else. Like I I play around in GarageBand and create yeah. music, my own music as well. Yeah. So it helps me do other things other than photography sometimes. And then when I come back to it, I feel fresh and ready to try something different. So yeah, that's my way of getting rid of the blocks. And watching movies is one of the my, my favorite things as well. So I'll do that as well. Or just anything other than photography sometimes is good for the brain. Yeah. Yeah. Just to refresh. But yeah, I'd say... Gosh, sorry about that. They, it's crazy. That's, that's fine. <laughs> I'm like, I hope no one died. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, yeah. the creative blocks come, but I've learned that it's part of the process as an artist. Everyone, I see Twitter and people writing, oh, I'm, I'm getting burnout and this and that, and I'm like, yeah, 
we all go through it, you know. Yeah, every everyone gets to that point where it's am, am I doing the right thing? Am I doing it the right way or whatever? Mm-hmm. And yeah, you know, oh, this just isn't working for me, so I gotta gotta put it away and go and do something else. Yeah, exactly, exactly. So yeah, that's how I get rid of my blocks. <laughs> you talked quite a bit about uh, collaboration and community uh, a little bit earlier. How do you see yourself working in with communities and both supporting but also learning from uh, your peers? Yeah, oh my gosh, so much learning has happened. One of the things in this space, you see so much art and so many different types of genres, you know? Yeah. For me, I've learned so much from people like Renee Campbell, who yep. does macro photography, right. now the is turning to yeah. AI. She's got her AI mixed with her photography, which just inspires me, the things she's managed to, to achieve. Mm. And I feel like in this space, it's important to stay open. Yes, AI is a tool. Yep. And it'll give you results that you never dreamt of. It's important to stick to your passion. Don't follow the trends. Yeah. Follow your passion. That's yeah. the main thing. Because tools come and go. And yeah, you, yeah. You, you get new cameras, you get tripods, you get lenses, you get yeah. all sorts of things that you can be creative with. What you choose to do with them is up to you. And that's exactly what I think you're saying is yeah you've really got to follow your passion for what you want to do not exactly. what everyone else is doing that's it and when you say collaborative and community involvement one thing that came to my mind is a few months ago i approached an ai artist i don't know if you know him vinny from brazil and he does all kinds of colorful ai uh, work and i thought let me see if we can collaborate on a piece. Yeah. And so I, I approached him and he said, yeah, yeah, let's do it. And then we, that's my husband. <laughs> we, I provided him a, a few images of my own. And then yeah. he said, I'll put it into the software and then see how he can paint it using AI and come up with something interesting. And he got out some interesting stuff out of it. Yeah. And yeah, we decided to mint one of one of the pieces and we managed to get it sold on Tezos, which is amazing. Awesome. So that was my first collaboration with an AI artist. And I thought, wow, this is amazing. I could do it myself using AI, but I thought that collaborative side of it was so interesting, going yeah. back and forth and trying to decide how to go about the, the art. Yeah, this NFT Web3 space has been such a refreshing way to meet new people and also to collaborate with people that you never thought you would. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's been amazing. What do you see as being the biggest challenge for photographers right now? The biggest challenge is the competition that's there with the AI. (laughs) That's one, you know, depending on what kind of photography you do. If you're doing portraits, I think that's been a a big challenge for some, because headshots now, you can just do them with AI. And I heard Victoria West, she's one of the photographers who also uses AI, but she mixes it in with her photography. If she needs some aspects of the image, that she doesn't have a photo of, she'll just get it from AI and just yeah. blend it into a photoshopped image. And she was saying her headshot business had taken a hit because they're going to the AI softwares to do their headshots. Interesting. So I was like, oh my gosh, yeah. But yeah, you just have to evolve and change your business into a different different kind of business. But what the, the other challenge for photographers in the Web3 space is the market because it's so slow at the moment with the bear market and hopefully if it 
comes up again, then yeah, things will turn around, who knows? But yes. in the meantime, we just keep creating and collaborating and just being there as yes. much as we can, but not overdo it. <laughs> <laughs> Can't I'll probably pull back a bit too much, but... Yeah, for you, it's been you having to step back fully. I've just chosen to. I've, and mm. I I just don't see the, the value in it myself. And I've got to admit, some of the community, in inverted commas, things that I've seen go on, I've gone, yeah, there's community and there's community. Oh. I won't say anymore, but... <laughs> I think I get it, but yeah, um, <laughs> clicks. <laughs> yeah, there's that, but there's also yeah, there's also people that you've put a lot of effort into helping that then don't put any effort back into mm. helping you. So it's and it, it's not that I look for. I go into most relationships not asking for tip for tat. I've never been a, a follow for follow. Yeah. Yeah, uh, and it's it, and that's not what this is about. I'm not. I, I don't care if it's slightly unbalanced, but if it's completely mm. know, one way versus the other way, it's yeah. That's not a relationship that's healthy and not one that I want to be part of. Yeah, that's true. That's true. I think, uh, <laughs> yeah, having expectations sometimes can hurt as well. Oh, absolutely. Uh, yeah, I I tend to try to go into those sorts of things without any expectation, but you mm -hmm. know. When the, the the issue becomes again where you're putting effort in, and other people aren't putting any effort in, and they're reaping benefit and you're not, and you can't, mm -hmm. yeah, that's yeah, it's, yeah, it's yeah. just not not where I want to be. So yeah, yeah, I get it, I get it. It's good that you're still doing the the podcast and also the videos, the YouTube videos, because. Yeah. I heard that there's two different types of traffic with YouTube. It's green and with Twitter, it's red because yeah. YouTube can be watched 10 years from now and it still That's grows exactly. and grows. Yeah. Whereas Twitter is just for today kind of thing. Oh, <laughs> yeah, just, just for this hour. <laughs> yeah, yeah, because scroll and you're gone. <laughs> yeah. That's exactly it. Yeah, if if you blink, you miss it, and that, that's one of the reasons why I've started to head down more down the YouTube route in terms of getting both putting out the audio and the video versions of the the podcast is really there to provide for people that are more visual, not the two people talking is particularly visual but i've i've seen a number of other similar podcasts do a similar sort of format and mm. gaining some success and traction so it's really about doing what i think is going to work so far i'm getting getting a little bit of traction with it which is nice that's good that's yeah. good yeah what do you see as the future of photography I think photography will survive. <laughs> Most people think, oh, it's a dying profession, but I feel it's like... It's been dying since the 1950s. <laughs> it'll be here for a while. <laughs> I think it'll no, be here. 1950s t TV and video started and Super 8 film was a thing that was going to kill mm -hmm. because, oh, now we've got moving images, not just still images. You know, yeah, yeah. Like that was where I wasn't around then personally, but I'm, I'm nearly that old, but not. <laughs> Did you just out yourself? <laughs> <laughs> but there's there's been, I think, a constant conversation around, oh, this will kill photography. Digital was going to kill photography. It almost <laughs> killed film photography, but that's come full circle. And it's that's a bit like true. vinyl record CDs killed that. And Yeah. Know, there's more vinyl being sold than there is CDs. Does anyone it? even buy CDs anymore? Well, no, not now that Spotify and whatever's around. Yeah. Now. Why would yeah. you? Yeah, I think uh, photography will be around for a long time. Um, I, I really, I don't see it dying at all unless the whole no. world just disappears. <laughs> yeah, human race will die before photography does, I think. Yeah. <laughs> yes. I, I, for me, I know I'll be taking photos for as long as. I live and I'd my my main thing now is to think of how I can either print 
most of my work and put it into books or find a way to pass it to my kids. Because digitally, you don't know what's going to happen. Having it on the blockchain is another way to keep it going if, if the blockchains survive. <laughs> well, as long as there's an internet, that'll be around. But... Yeah, that's the thing. Yeah, I'd love it to, to be viewed way after I'm gone. What's your favorite thing about being a photographer? Oh, being able to pose moments, like to have a, those special moments in a frame that you can look at over and over again and enjoy, you know? Um, I find myself just going through my collections on my Lightroom sometimes and just looking at holidays and especially, you know, recently I've been looking at my Thailand collection and every time I look through the photos, I'm just enjoying it as if it's happening right now, you know? So, yeah, that's what I love about photography. It transports you back to that moment when you did that or saw that or experienced something. Yeah. What's your least favorite thing about being a photographer? Least favorite? Can't even think of <laughs> I guess the Have fact you? that it, it's hard to find, I don't know, it's... It, it would have to be monetary because at the moment that's what I'm going through. But I know photographers that survive on their work. Yeah. So I know it's possible. Yeah. So it's just finding that. It's <laughs> that way. The point where that happens. Ah, know, yeah. I so I guess in some ways that's a yeah, annoying thing. <laughs> if you weren't a photographer, what would you be? Probably a digital marketer because I, I enjoy SEO and trying to optimize the yeah. websites to, to work and just tracking all the analytics. I find that interesting. Might have a chat to you about my website. Ooh, let's go. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I enjoy that. I enjoy it. I think that's my IT brain, which is still there. Yeah. yeah. Are there any photographers that you think I should be talking to? Oh, so many. Depends what you're looking for. If landscape photography, have you talked? You've talked to Vicky already, right? I have. Yeah, Vicky's yeah. been on. David Fair's been on. Yeah, I need to listen to to Vicky's. Who haven't you chatted with? Landscape. You've talked to Stanley. Yes. Okay, you've talked to yeah. Stanley. I haven't spoken to Andrew Hooker yet. He's he's on my list. Oh yeah, and he's doing the ICM photography. Yeah. That's interesting. Yeah, yeah. I'd say Andrew. Andrew is a good one because he also comes with an interesting story. Like his background is really interesting. Absolutely. I'm trying to think of. There's so many people on Tezos. Have you heard of Claire Udma? She does the oh, drone. Yes I've, yes, I've heard of her. Yeah. Um, I think you can talk to her. She's very interesting. Fantastic. Right. Yeah, her drone photography is different because the way she edits them is different. So I'd say speak to her. She's in Australia at the moment, actually, visiting her family in the West Coast. Yeah, she's sp Spanish and English, I think. But yeah, she's got family in Australia. Right. Yeah, she would be interesting to talk to. Yeah. Fantastic. Thank you. You're welcome. I've got one more question for you, and most of my listeners. It's the most important one I can ask. <laughs> okay. Pineapple on pizza. Yeah, let's go. <laughs> All the way. I know, I know. It's, it's such a controversial thing, but uh, I, I love pineapple on pizza. And my husband is the opposite. He's like, nope, no sweet stuff on pizza. What are you talking about? <laughs> yeah, I, don't, I don't know. What about yeah. Nutella pizzas? <laughs> Nutella pizzas? Do you eat Nutella pizza? Whatever. <laughs> yeah, pineapple and pizza. Put it on. <laughs> Fantastic. It's been wonderful catching up with you, Liet, and learning a lot more about what you do. Where can people find your work? My website is liatphotography.com. Uh, that's L-I-Y-A-T photography.com. And on Twitter, I'm Leo from Ethio, L-I-Y-O from E-T-O, E-T-H-I-O. And if you put Liat, I think I'm the first one because my name is so unique. <laughs> mm -hmm. 
And yeah, that's, I think those are the social medias I'm usually active on. Yeah. Brilliant. Thanks again, Leah. It's, it's really good to uh, catch up. Yeah. Thank you so much. It's been fun chatting. I think, did we do an hour? <laughs> yeah, about, about an hour and 10, something like oh, that. Oh, cool. Yeah, that was a fun chat. Thanks, Grant. Thanks, Leah. Ciao. Thanks again for listening to Landscape Photography World. I hope you enjoyed the show and keep listening because I'll be joined by some great guests in upcoming episodes. You can find my work in this podcast at grantswinburnphotography.com. I'm also on Vero, Twitter, YouTube, Instagram, and Facebook. I'm Grant Swinburne. I hope to see you out shooting soon.